Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And welcome to Out of the Blue on 3CR 855 AM. You're with Pete. And Sinead. Hello, how's it going? We are bringing you a special story on the sea country of the Gunai Kurnai people of eastern Victoria today, as well as the latest marine science news and events. So stay with us as we dive into the deep blue. Welcome back to Out of the Blue on 3CR 855 AM. Over the years on Out of the Blue, we've spoken to lots of scientists and community groups about their research and how important the sea is uh, to them. But for a long time, I've been conscious about how little I know about what the oceans mean to Indigenous Victorians and how the first Victorians are connected to their sea country today. Yeah, um, the Ganai Kurnai country covers most of eastern Victoria or Gippsland from Cape Lip Trap to Point Hicks and well into Victoria's Alpine area. Most Victorians would know East Gippsland as beautiful, remote and quiet, um, but it's, it is also extremely fertile and productive, so it's no surprise then that the area's got a rich Indigenous history. The Ganai Kurnai are made up of five clans, the Bratal Alung, in South Gippsland, which loosely translates to the fire people, um, and they were down around Wilson's Promontory. The Brayakalung of West Gippsland, and the Brabralung of Central Gippsland. The Krautungalung of East Gippsland, and the Tatungalung, or Sea People, of the Lakes District of Gippsland. Um, in 2010, a native title determination granted the Gana- Ganai-Kanai rights as traditional owners of the land and waterways of eastern Victoria and recognised 
continued Ganai Kanai connection to the country. So on today's show, we're very pleased to be bringing you an interview with Grattan Mutlet from the Gunai Kurnai Land and Waters Aboriginal Corporation. Yeah, um, Grattan Mutlet grew up in Lake Tyres, close to Lake's entrance. Um, I think he's actually part of the Kratokalong clan. Um, he was employed as the cultural officer and manager of the cultural business at the Gippsland and East Gippsland Aboriginal Cooperative, but has also been the chair uh, of the East Gippsland Aboriginal Community Deve- Development Employment Program, as well as various other positions around Gippsland. And I spoke to Grattan earlier this week, so here's our interview. Okay, welcome to Out of the Blue, Grattan, um, and thanks very much for joining us. Uh, just to start off, could you tell us a little bit about which part of Gunai Kanai country you live in? Uh, yes, um, um, I live in a, in a town um, called Bruthen, um, which is about 20 kilometres um, sort of north of Bensdale, and um, we're basically at the foothills of the uh, Great Dividing Range, which is the gateway to the, um, the alpine ski country. Sure. And you're, the Gunai Kanai country includes most of um, Victoria's east coast. Could you tell us a bit about some of the key coastal features of your country? Um, yeah, well, our, our, sort of, our country sort of extends from um, the south of Gippsland right through to um, the eastern section of Gippsland, um, sort of around the Snow River area. Um, um, a lot of people would probably be more familiar with that coastal stretch um, as the uh, 90-mile beach, um, which is a beautiful sort of coastal um, stretch of country. Yeah, beautiful and wild bit of beach. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, and in two th- 2010, uh, there was a native title determination um, which gave, gave Gunai Kanai... Um, Native title over a large, you know, part of part of East Gippsland. Did it give native title over any sea country? Um, it does. It um, it actually um, recognises uh, uh, that the Gunaikuno people had um, connections, um, not only in terms of the lands and waterways, but also including 200 metres um, of offshore um, sea area, sea country. Yeah. So that's. Uh, a- it's a, a great, um, well, a big area of the coast. Yep. So, which, which parts of the coastline are um, Gunai Kurnai now sort of able to be involved in management and and, and you know a bit more decision making? Yes, um, particularly along the coastal areas. Um, as part of our native title um, determination. Um, that also gave us, uh, um, as part of the agreements, was to also have um, um, a process where we worked um, with, uh, as part of our role as, as joint management, and that's with um, Parks Victoria and um, DELP. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of those, um, we have 10 parks and reserves that we jointly manage um, pretty much with those state agents, government agencies, and... Um, some of those key areas, um, which actually takes in um, the coastal areas around um, Lock Sport um, and Sea Spray, um, which is part of the, um, the Gippsland Lakes Coastal Park, um, 
as well as um, the Lakes National Park uh, and also um, Karingal um, Foreshore Reserve towards the um, Snow River. And they're sort of border, they border right on the, on the coastal um, areas um, of our joint managed um, lands. Yeah, okay. So it sounds like you've um, you know, got a big area now to be involved in the management of. Um, what, what sort of activities are you, are you involved in now? Um, well, we have, um, as part of our joint management arrangements, um, our roles and responsibilities in working with partnerships with um, those key uh, government departments is that um, we have a works crew that obviously um, undertake um, a day-to-day management role um, in the parks and reserves and that's sort of working alongside Parks Victoria Rangers um, to ensure that um, a lot of our natural and cultural values um, are protected as well as a lot of the um, visitor facilities and amenities are are certainly maintained and um, and provided for um, a lot of users that actually access these parks and reserves, so they're up to a, a quite sort of high standard um, for those recreational users to the parks and reserves. Yeah, okay. And and what are some of the priorities um, for Gurnai Kurnai to you know in terms of you know management in the future of these areas? Are there any changes that you would like to see? There will be. Um, I think the the, the 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 key role for us as Gunnar Kurnow people is that we we we're an equal partner in in regards to managing um, um, our traditional lands, um, um, and we're part of that decision making as well at that at that level where those decisions are made in terms of what happens in the parks and reserves. Um, the only changes that I would sort of foresee is that um, it's just how people will actually see. Um, the um, the management um, of these parks and reserves in the future. So we'll be looking at adopting um, ways of um, engaging with a lot of these um, these park users in terms of the transfer of cultural knowledge um, about places, um, the importance of key areas that contain um, sites of cultural significance. So it's about um, raising the awareness of um, of us as Gunnarokurnal people and our connection. Um, and relationships um, with these places that we we currently have under joint management. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'd, I'd like to ask a bit about um, just some of the relationships um, your people have have these days. I mean, apart from the you know the hard work involved in in managing these areas, how what in what ways are Gunai Kurnai people um, connected to these areas these days? Yes. Um, uh, so we we obviously see the the whole of the landscape as um, as one big cultural landscape, um, different to how people would see it through their eyes today. Um, but it's just the the makeup of the the clan groups of the Gunnarokurno people, and um, obviously their associations, uh, relationships, and connections to um, <clears throat> different parts of Gippsland um, through their um, traditional boundaries. Um, so it's how people obviously, um, you know, use use the, the natural environment um, and 
obviously how they move through country at different times of the year, um, basically following um, the food resources. And um, as a result of a lot of that um, earlier traditional activity that um, we can now understand um, um, a, a lot about a lot of those past um, practices that what people were doing. Um, so we're talking about um, areas, say, from up in the north on the, on the, um, in the Alpine country all the way down through to the coast. Um, and we have a lot of major river systems uh, as well as our famous Gippsland Lakes system um, towards the coast as well. So these are like primary areas where it, it offered abundance of um, different types of food resources at different types of the, times of the year. Um, so that's how it's very rich and diverse and, and it obviously sustained our people for, for thousands of years. Um, so it, it really um, is such a, um, um, a high sort of um, environmental um, and cultural landscape that we see um, that obviously tells us the stories about the past um, by seeing some of these um, um, sites of cultural significance, um, which obviously tells the story about the types of activities that people were doing um, back in traditional times. Yeah, certainly. And, I mean, I suppose Victorians in general probably have don't have as good an understanding of um, how Victorian Indigenous people used the landscape and, and lived off it. But in terms of the, the sea country in um, your part of Victoria, what, what are some of the, you know, the really valuable marine resources that um, the old people and even people today are using? Yeah. Um, so even um, in the past, um, it, it, was, it was also a place of gathering. Um, and I spoke earlier about you know, just moving it to um, follow the food resource. So even along the coastal areas, it's a very rich um, sort of marine environment. So it offered um, you know, an abundance of different types of um, uh, food resources as, as well as a whole range of different types of shellfish. Mm-hmm. Um, so there'll be times of the year, um, different times of the year, that um, people were gathered along the coastal areas to um, um, take advantage of um, those types of um, um, coastal um, um, food um, source. And as a result today that um, we have, um, you know, there's a whole range of um, types of different types of um, Aboriginal sites um, ranging from right along the coast that um, is built up of um, a lot of um, shellfish material um, uh, as well as uh, uh, charcoal remnants and remains. So it's obviously where a lot of those shell types of shellfish were collected at different parts of the coast that... Um, that we see that um, they make up what we refer to now as shell middens, and they're just like um, you know a, a deposit of um, a lot of those um, types of uh, food resources that were collected and, and eaten along the coastal areas. Yeah, sure. And what about the the language and stories of the Gunai Kurnai? Uh, the language is still used, and there's still plenty of stories around. Um, the the stories um, as we see it are, are still sort of based in the landscape, um, and and these are some of the places that um, that obviously um, that we 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 try to um, or we work towards um, protecting um, to, to ensuring that those um, places that um, obviously have high values in terms of the stories and the connections 
are still there for future generations. Um, and obviously, a lot of our, our natural places, um, re referring to our sites, um, also um, have um, their language um, attached to those areas, um, which obviously um, refers to a particular clan group. Um, so with the different five clan groups across Gunaikurna country that make up the nation of people, the Gunaikurna people, um, they were basically re um, responsible to maintain the language and the laws and the customs um, of the, of the Gunaikurna people. Um, so the languages were um, very, um, um, very similar, um, but there was also the... Um, the, the, the different dialects that the tribal groups spoke in order to um, um, communicate and exchange with um, with neighbouring groups and uh, the groups amongst themselves. Sure. And uh, for our listeners, um, if they're interested in finding out a bit more about um, Gunai Kurnai, uh the language and culture and, and some of the, the, the stories and the, the ways of life, where what's their best... Port of call. Where should where should they look? Um, we're just um, updating our our website, um, so that'll um, pretty much uh, inform um, you know the general public about the the services and programs that are offered through our corporation, which is the Gunai Kurnai Land and Waters Aboriginal Corporation. Um, that website um, will will be up and running um, very soon. Uh, so it's basically um, it's uh, www.gunaikurnai.org.au, um, and there's another website um, which tells uh, provides information more about the the joint management arrangements, and that's also um, a website people can refer to um, from www.gunaikurnai.com.au. Um, so they're the two sort of main websites um, that obviously people can um, get on and, and just looking at the, um, you know, what, what, what Gunaikurna people are about and I guess um, the role that we play in, in, um, in, in land management and also natural resource management um, and basically just um, working on country and, and um, caring for country, um, which is a part of our, our sort of aspirations um, um, working to, um, towards the future. Fantastic. All right, well, we'll make sure that we um, post those links up on our Facebook page and on our website so that um, people can follow them up if they want to. And thank yeah. you very much for joining us today on Out of the Blue. Um, wish you all the best with the work that um, Kunai Kurnai are, are doing. Yep. And, uh, yeah, hopefully might be able to hear a bit more about it down the track. Oh, Absolutely. Um, yeah, thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Pete. Okay, thank you, Greg. Born in Mara! Born in Mara! Born in Mara! Born in Mara! Help 3CR support the rights of Indigenous Australians. 
They mean to save our culture and save our dreams, our footprints, dreams, our songline and keep our culture going strong. Of course, a lot of the Aboriginals, having been stolen, were put into state care and also others were... The recognition were... of what our people have been through in the last 200 years, the recognition of our culture in the last 40,000 years and the recognition of where we are heading into the future. Welcome to uh, Survival Day, Invasion Day. 223 years ago, the white man landed on our shores. Subscribe to 3CR and help keep Indigenous voices on air. Call us on 941983 or visit 3cr.org.au. Subscribe now. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. You were just listening to a song called Baru by Yothu Yindi. And how fantastic was that, just listening to Grattan Mullet from Gunai Kanai? That was a really interesting interview about all their... Yeah, it was, it was great to speak to him and um, definitely a lot more that we could find out about... Oh, um, definitely. We'll put those links up on the website so we can all have a further investigation on. Yes. And what's been happening in the news? Yeah. Uh, well, Australia is sending the very first sewage treatment plant to Antarctica in the next few months. Um, there have been some observations made in the waters surrounding Davis Station, which is the Australian research base. Um, and the study suggests that the ocean is being contaminated by untreated raw sewage from research bases. And this is in turn affecting the local marine life. Uh, fish, seals and penguins are just some of the marine creatures that have been affected. Um, and Dr. Johnny Stark from the Australian Institute, um, sorry, the Australian Antarctic Division, described fish having deformed gills and deformed livers. Um, and there's even apparently been some penguins and seals that have been showing signs of antibiotic resistance. And this is a trait that um, Mr. Stark explains that could only come from human pollution. Um, because there are so many Antarctic bases that don't treat their sewage, I think I saw there was a study, I forgot who it was by, but it was back in 2008, they said that there was about 40% of um, the bases didn't actually treat any of their sewage. So the AAD is planning to send a high-tech sewage treatment plant to Davis Station. Uh, The plant, which is currently being housed in two shipping containers in Hobart, produces water that's good enough to drink um, for Australian drinking standards. Uh, One of the brains behind this project, Stephen Gray from the Institute of Sustainability and Innovation, is hoping to convince expeditioners in Antarctica to try drinking the recycled water as opposed to using the desalination process that they're currently using down there. Um, Apparently... um, they have to heat the water in this desalination process, um, which is, you know, using heaps of energy. So by drinking the recycled water, uh, you could save up to 70% of the energy used. So hopefully the introduction of the plant around Antarctica and around Davis Station can inspire other bases to start treating the sewage and stopping this pollution. Yeah, it sounds like they're killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. Treating the sewage and um, getting extra water supplies. Yeah, Exactly. What about you? Have you got any news stories for the week, Pete? I do. There's a couple of interesting ones that popped up. Um, There was an accidental discovery of a very big sponge. Uh, The United States National Ocean and Atmospheric Administration uh, accidentally discovered what they think might be the biggest sea sponge ever ever seen. Researchers were surveying deep water corals off Hawaii using remotely operated vehicles or ROVs. And while manoeuvring between taking photos of corals, an enormous sponge the size of a small van appeared in the ROV's camera. Yeah, apparently they just like turned around and they just see this huge... That's right. Yeah, Yeah. it was just there right Um, in front of them. Yeah, they estimate the sponge was about 12 feet long and 7 feet wide, so 
pretty big. I've That's never, a big sponge. Yeah, it's enormous. <laughs> um, and while they aren't sure what species the sponge is, they did see other smaller versions of the same sponge in the area. Um, and some footage is available on the web um, via the Washington Post. Uh, so we'll post a link um, on our Facebook page so you can have a look if you're interested. Yeah, it's very interesting to see. They say that it apparently looked like someone had folded or just draped, sorry, a big sheet over like an armchair because it was all like folded. And... Yeah, it's sort of quite a yeah a bright white colour yeah. and um, quite quite beautiful kind of, what would you call it? Morphology, I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. What else have we got? Well, going with our Indigenous themes of today, the Australian Indigenous surfing titles were held um, around my place the other day at Bells Beach last weekend. Um, this was the fifth year that Surfing Victoria held the competition since the rebirth of it back in 2012. Um, Russell Maloney from the central coast of New South Wales took out the title uh, apparently he won the same title back in 2012, the first year it started, but he's been in every single final up until now. He's won it again, so he just sounds like okay. a bit of a gun, really. Must be. <laughs> um, apparently the day saw um, a perfect two- to three-foot swell at Bells. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Um, Scott Winch was placed second and Robbie Page was in third and then Alan Campbell was in fourth position. Summer Simon from... Port Kembla in New South Wales took out her second consecutive Open Women's title and Tom Avery from Lismore in New South Wales took out the inaugural longboard division as well. Brilliant. So, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like they had great waves and yeah, great contestants. You didn't have a chance to go down and see any of it? No, I was. it was over last weekend and unfortunately I'm working in hospitality and weekends where I make my money, mm, so... Uh, fair enough. Yeah. Oh, well. What about you? Is there any other news that you've got this week? There's an interesting little study uh, by Macquarie University released this week, which has shown that Port Jackson sharks have quite different individual personalities. Port Jackson sharks are bottom dwellers who mostly forage over sandy seabed, seabed for shellfish. They don't have teeth as such, but strong jaws and tiny rough teeth for grinding up their shellfish prey. And they're a common sight in Port Phillip Bay, and you can often see them dozing under rock ledges. They're pretty funny. They are. They're, they're cute, cute little <laughs> they sharks. They are so cute, aren't they? Beautiful looking. Uh, the study used what they call a standard boldness assay, or a, a boldness uh, test, um, where they put the sharks in stressful or unfamiliar situations and measured how long it took uh, different sharks to sort of regain their composure or explore their new surroundings. The study found that larger Port Jackson sharks were bolder than smaller individuals, and this might be due to larger sharks being less fearful of predation than smaller sharks. Yeah, I can confirm that study because I've I've actually recently got hermit crabs at home as a pet, and I've got one bigger hermit crab and a smaller hermit crab, and the bigger one is a lot more bold than the smaller hermit crab and, you know, comes out when there's food around and we like to hang out. We're friends. But the other one, the smaller one, doesn't want a bar of me. Not so good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Brilliant. Well, yeah, you well, should write, I know, the, I write the numbers <laughs> down and, and publish the study. I should, shouldn't I? Okay. Well, we better wrap up because Sally with Out of the Pan is coming up very soon. Thanks for joining us on Out of the Blue today. Thanks for coming up all the way from Torquay, Chanel. Oh, no dramas, guys. It was a pleasure to be here. And we will be back next week with more Out of the Blue. Jump on our Facebook page if you want to check out some links from today's show.